Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time. Time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-882-2093. 800-882-2093. 800-882-2093. That's 800-882-2093. The following is a live copyrighted presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for Radiolawtalk.com with your host, Frederick Penny, attorney at law. And now, Radiolawtalk.com. And Radiolawtalk.com. Good morning or good afternoon. I See, I can now say that to anybody listening to us live, because if you're on the East Coast, it's now about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Here on the West Coast, Radio Law Talk, 9 to noon. We're at the 10 o'clock hour. So good morning or good afternoon. To or all, good day. Or good day to all of you listening to us live. I'm Todd Cunin, sitting in for Fred Penny. To my right, Denise, Denise L. Dirks. Every time I say Denise L. Dirks, I, 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 I expect her to come in with a, I don't know, a Spanish accent or something. But, si, como no. Oh, 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 the <laughs> there you go. Got you there. <laughs> okay. So uh, how are you doing, Denise? Um, I'm doing well. I'm really uh, enjoying today, looking outside, and it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, so to speak. Could you be mine? Would yes. you be mine? Sure. <laughs> if you're going to afford the real estate, you can be her neighbor. Hey, hey yeah, hey. Well, okay, that, that yeah, counts me out. That's so, true. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's now just, it depends on if you're the right side of us or the left side. Left side, you might be able to afford. Right side, nope. No, no. Oh, here we go. Yeah, there you go. Well, something tells me, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'd have to be the pool boy living in the back house. So, you know, whatever. We have a wonderful barn. Yeah, actually, you know, I have been to Denise's house, and I'll tell you, have you ever been to Denise's house, Fred? Or, or I, I have seen video of it. You know, I, it's one of those places that I just can envision in my mind. So, so I was I was over at Denise's house, when was it, about two months ago, three months ago? Right? December, wasn't it? October. Oct- Boy, that was a long, oh, that's right, it's right, it was, because it was football season, and Denise's significant other, husband, was giving me a tour of the house and and showed me the barn. The, the, the place barn. in the back. Is and it a barn dominium? I mean, is it one of those deals you subdivided into separate little living units for mini no, houses? No, 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 no. It's a, it, we treat it as a barn. Cattle barn. I'll, I'll yeah. just tell you, as a person who has no, I have no woodworking or mechanical ability, but I aspire to such. And I lo- looked in that barn and I was, I was breaking the do not envy or covet commandments. <laughs> okay, because that. That place looked awesome. It was. I, I would never leave this. My kids would never have to worry about seeing me again. Dad would always be in the barn. That was awesome. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty nifty. And, you know, our deal was that he got the barn. If he would get everything out of the third car garage so we can put our third car in the garage. Uh And by gosh, he did it. He did it? He did. Okay, all right. Now, it's not exactly on the barn either. He's still kind of spread out into the backyard a little bit. Clearing (laughs) a garage is a major life accomplishment. This is a big deal. This is a sign of true maturity and and true adulthood. If you can get... Three cars in a three-car garage. You got it by the tail. You're if, doing if, well. I if, totally if, agree. If cleaning out the garage is a sign of maturity, I'm going to tell you right now that anybody that sees my garage is going to think that I haven't even hit puberty yet. You child. Okay. <laughs> well, that so. might be true. <laughs> <laughs> a great discussion first hour. Uh, check the podcast if you missed it when we get back, when it goes up like next Monday or Tuesday. But go to RadioLawTalk.com. It's, it's going up on Sunday evenings. Oh, We've great. got somebody that's on it right now. So, yeah, go to RadioLawTalk.com. We talked about the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, distribution of assets and the conundrums that they are facing as they go through their uh, – uh, divorce proceedings, and uh, we had a case or no case from first hour that I, I tried to get Cal some points, but you know he had to pick one that Thank was, you, though. was not pointable. Thank you. And, uh, yes, and I nailed it on the head, and I understand greedy bear children for sure. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Well, she is a divorce attorney, so you know it's sort of and, and that raises yeah. the whole uh, Bill. Bill, and Melinda, <laughs> we didn't even talk about how their kids feel about all of this, which is, and they're they're adult children now. How they feel about all of this, and whether they feel entitled, or whether they feel, you know, Dad kind of did a lot on his own. Maybe I could too. We don't know. That's well, interesting. I, I, I kind of feel like they're just trying to stay out of it, let their parents decide what they're going to do. I, I'd, if it was my family, my parents getting divorced, I would work so hard not to take sides. Let the bullets fly. Just, just let yeah. them work it out, and I'm going to stay in the background, and I will, I'm going to try not to you know, side with one or the other. I will say I read one news article that said that, uh, and I mentioned this at the bottom of the hour, that to deal with this after and this always happens is when celebrities make the or high profile individuals they make the announcement that they are getting a divorce and then there's always this please allow us the time and privacy so that we can work through these issues together like the paparazzi in the news media is ever going to go okay hands off nobody 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 print anything i can see some yes. private paparazzi looking at all of his friends and going Hmm. You know, that's a good point. Maybe yeah. we should just back maybe, off. Maybe, yeah, yeah, that would be the nice thing to do. But, <laughs> but in order to get away from it all, she, uh, Melinda Gates um, rented a private island. And I think that the, the cost was over $100,000 a night. She was going to go there and stay for a little while. I start, I start doing the math. I said a 10-day stay would be a million dollars. A month would be $3 million, $3 million if it was May. And, uh, you know, it's all this. And the kids apparently had joined her, but the article that I read was that Bill was not welcome to go to the island. So, and we don't know her cash exposure. We don't know how yeah. much cash of all of these assets she may have. She may not have much cash. They've yeah. been together 27 years, so I would say she probably has significant you know, amount of investment in 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 the billions that are there. Do you suppose to pick up the tab for lunch like every time they go out, or do they look around at the table at other people and go, well? <laughs> you know, I know that personally because I went to lunch with them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the scene. You, you go you go to dinner or you go to lunch with them, and the and the server brings over the check and lays it down. And there is Bill or Melinda worth 130 billion, and neither one of them reach for the check. And you're sitting there, the, the person that is, like, trying to scrape two dimes together to get by. All right, I'll pick it up. There. Oh, great. We'll, we'll get the next one. Oh, yeah. Right. Mark, yeah, whatever. Right, whatever. Whatever. 
<laughs> but that's from the first hour. If you want to hear everything we talked about that, go ahead and check out the podcast. Should be up by Sunday, Denise says. The end of Sunday. If you wait till Monday, you know, you're for sure it's there. Definitely going to get it. And we, we got more stuff we're going to talk about. We're moving on from divorce. Uh, I wonder how many times people have said that. Uh, we're going to move on from. Good di- luck on that. Yeah, we're going to we're going to move on from there. And this hour, we're going to talk about victims. And uh, not in the context of divorce, but in the context of those – the impact that a criminal offense can have from the time that offense is committed, how it, it just – as a wave, it kind of goes out and what the law does to help provide for them and what happens to some that decide to – in law enforcement or prosecutors that decide to thumb their nose at the law and what can happen to them and what has happened recently to one individual in North Carolina – um, but, and even surprising victims, ones that you wouldn't really think about as being a victim um, of a crime. Exactly. And it's, it may have long-term effects. Absolutely. But we, we are sticking to the tried and true. Cal, go ahead and give us a tease here. We may pick it up after, the, after our break, but give us a tease as to what we can okay, expect. Okay, those of you who are, are in real estate, if you've ever made a mistake – and I'm sure this never happens to anyone in real estate. Never, ever, ever. But if you're in real estate and you make a mistake, you will love our next case or no case. Uh, because like a crime, when somebody messes up in a profession, it does not just affect one person. It affects everybody who's got their pinky in the hot tub, you know. Uh, so it's kind of interesting what can happen on see, our case or see, no case. I, I'm not heavily invested in real estate, and by that I mean I have zero real estate holdings. Okay. But I am long in fake estate. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am, I am very long. It, it, essentially, sometimes people reach a status in their life where they realize that their purpose in life is to serve as a warning to others. Okay? <laughs> so, so essentially what I tell my kids is – if you think that I – if I talk about investing in anything or in, and you have any money at all, if you do the exact opposite of whatever it is I think I want to do, that will work out for you. So you have the Mark Twain gift of investing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Invested in every harebrained scheme. Guy comes up with uh, – Alexander Bell comes up says, what do you think? And he goes, nah, not for me. I keep, <laughs> I keep wanting to write the screenplay – for a movie where my, quote, identity gets stolen, right, because somebody gets my social security number, but they don't get a lot of money, what ends up happening is all the creditors for all the debt end up calling them, and I am scot-free. That would be awesome. <laughs> now you're talking. <laughs> all right, we're at the end of our first segment here in the second hour. Stick with us. When we come back, Cal's going to try to stump me and Denise again. And if you want to chime in or comment, the number is 855-529-7234. That's 855-LAW-RADIO. This portion of Radio Law Talk is brought to you by Strauss Naturals. For more information, go to StraussNaturals.com. That's S-T-R-A-U-S-S, StraussNaturals.com. Wayne Elliott here to tell you about my experience with Strauss Naturals heart drops over the past 20 years. Strauss Heart Drops saved me back then and changed my life forever. It's hard to describe how invigorating it is when you support your healthy blood flow everywhere. There is scientific evidence that Heart Drops ingredients help maintain healthy lipid concentration. Cholesterol is in the blood lipid group. This supports blood flow, our body's most important function. I was able to maintain a healthy heart and blood flow. Strauss Heart Drops work, I can assure you. No contraindications with pharma drugs. 
Stroh's hard drops are safe, and Stroh's guarantees your satisfaction with a hassle-free guarantee so you can't go wrong and certainly have nothing to lose. I've seen folks taking hard drops that have greatly improved their lives. Available online at StraussNaturals.com. Thank you very much. These products may not be right for you. Always read and follow the label. I've got to get my car washed. This dirt, it just won't do. The best thing about Quick Cut Car Wash is whenever you go through, the smell in your car is always great, and they have super fun lights and colors. But I don't have no time today. I don't know what I do. Your car smells good and it's clean at Quick Cut Car Wash. And I know this place right down the road. Quick 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 Quack car, car, car Wash. Quick Quack Car Wash. Get the quick quack confidence. Hop inside, let's take a ride and watch this cat and shine. Get the quick quack habit. Take your car once a week. Just come and see, I guarantee your ride will steal the show. I like quick quack because of the mascot, Quackles. Come on, quick quack car. So we sell unlimited membership for per vehicle. You can add a family plan and add an additional vehicle at a discounted rate. Don't drive that dirty car. Now you can make your home look great and save money. Right now, when you call Renewal by Anderson, you can buy four windows and get the fifth one free. Plus, you get 12 months with no interest, no money down, and no payments. Upgrade your home. Buy four windows and get the fifth one free. Installation and warranty are even included. And the Renewal by Anderson certified retailers take every safety precaution to protect you and your family. Hey, for 25 years... People have trusted Renewal by Anderson for their window replacement needs, and you can too. So call right now. Don't wait. Learn how to get your free window when you buy four. 800-451-1124. 800-451-1124. That's 800-451-1124. Interest accrues from date of purchase, but is waived if paid in full within 12 months. Other conditions apply. We've adjusted our operations to serve you safely following all CDC guidelines. Visit RenewalByAnderson.com for details. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they are able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-263-2610. 800-263-2610. That's 800-263-2610. If you pay my fee, I'll take your case. This is no fun. Now it's time for more Radio Law Talk. Want me to turn your mic up? Okay, go ahead. Maybe mine too. I faded you out last time. I didn't fade you back up pre, so my fault. So the show has changed. We're no longer broadcasting via satellite. We're just going to set up a bunch of listeners with a 
with a tin can and a string. And so <laughs> that works. Okay, a lot cheaper. It's interesting the things we talk about during a break. You'd think that we're talking about the law, and sometimes we do. Denise and I got into a riveting discussion about DoorDash and whether or not I should have my son learn how to cook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm an advocate for that, and I taught my kids the basics, you know, just how, how to boil an egg, how to cook an egg, how to make spaghetti, how to make mac and cheese from a box, but spaghetti, all, the whole thing, how to do things with using a canned soup and putting other things into it, because you got to learn, and you got to be able to support yourself. And my son, who's the fireman, he was, like, super happy that I taught him some basics because he had to cook. As a rookie fireman, he had to cook the meals all the time. But wow. here's, here's the question. Did you teach him the importance of cleaning as you cook? No, because I'm a messy cook. Because my son will make a box of mac and cheese, and when I go out there, he'll make it at, like, midnight. And I go out there in the morning— Every cupboard door is open. I don't know what he used flour for, but it's all over the place. <laughs> Uncooked noodles are on the floor. And, you know, the cat's going, oh, we kind of like the cheese stuff, but uh, whatever. Cal, what's our case? <laughs> the cat's case? saying we kind of like the cheese stuff. Yeah, the cheese powder uh, okay. was kind of yeah. awesome. Can you sprinkle that in the first piece? <laughs> case or no case. Yeah. All right, now I'm going to take it to southeast Texas, where Ernesto Paz lived and worked as a school custodian for many years. As part of his retirement dream, he bought a little piece of dirt just outside of Corpus Christi that he hoped would either be a nice retirement parcel or an investment. Ernesto's time came to retire, so he got into his Jeep and went out to the property and was stunned to see that someone was building on it. It had been fenced. There was a concrete trailer pad there. Electricity had been run in. Well plans were obviously made, although there had not been dug. And when he went up there and said, hi, there was a guy named uh, Chris Feeney uh, uh, to uh, was just getting ready or fixing, as they say in Texas, to drive a nail. He was fixing to drive a nail, I tell you, Todd. Ernesto introduced himself and asked what Chris was doing. He said, oh, I just bought this place about six months ago and I put a mobile home right here to live in. Bought it from whom? Ernesto asked. Chris gave him the name of the realtor. Ernesto looked up the listing and saw a property description of the place across the street, the road, and a picture of his. The realtor had obviously messed up big time. Chris was building on the property and did not realize there was a problem, obviously. So Ernesto spoke to the realtor, who immediately promised to make everything right. Chris said, I'm going to a lawyer to see if I have a case or no case. Todd Cunin, what say you, my friend? Oh, well... I, I thought you were going to say he gets out there and he saw somebody with an oil derrick on it. And <laughs> I was I was prepared to say, you know, I don't case. think there's much oil in the, in the Corpus Christi side of things, well, but I, I could be wrong. Well, I and I was prepared to say no case. Great way to try to steal this from the one of the plots of the movie. Um, there will be blood. But, oh, wasn't but that, you know, that, you know, no, uh, but no, no, it, no, this sounded too modern. So. Here's the deal. All right. I will go with um, – I'm still going to go with no case, and I'll tell you why. It has nothing to do with any of the facts or anything like that. He doesn't that. like the name Ernesto, Denise. This no, is the no, problem. No, no, no. <laughs> See, you're going to get me in trouble with that. Somebody's going to listen to the podcast and cut it off right there, and then that's what's going to be played 20 years from now when I you know, w win the – cat lottery. But um, no, the reason why I say no case, and this has to do more with psychology than the law, it has to do with trying to read the way Cal goes about 
stating a case because there was a part there where Cal stopped to correct himself to make sure that he was reading the copy correctly as if he was reading it from a news source. And I have seen Cal in the past do that to try to make us think that it was authentic and he wanted to make sure the facts were right, but it was not a case, so I'm going no case. (laughs) Oh, what a tangled web we weave. Ms. Dirks, what say you, case or no case? Well, it certainly is a, a great scenario because it almost looks like clear liability. You know, um, router mix, mixes up, puts a picture of the wrong parcel, sells that parcel, and that person that bought it goes in. And, I mean, is this a, a question of a bona fide purchaser? And, you know, what does it all mean? I mean, there's a lot of legal issues that are present um, in this scenario, but they're not well-developed um, so, oh gosh. And she the real estate world is fraught this. with peril, is it not? I mean, the real estate world is fraught with I, peril. Yes, and there would be clear liability for the realtor to have done this. And, yes, we could Ernesto could um, make the realtor pay for and remove and repair all of his property. Um, and the realtor sees the clear liability, but just something tells me, just dang it, that I have to agree with Todd. <laughs> And that it is a I think it is not even a true scenario. I think that it's a couple of different things that Cal put together. And okay, so you're putting a point on no the fact case. that it's that if it's not a case, it's not even a true scenario. Is that you're putting a point on that? I am saying it's made up from maybe, maybe a couple of different scenarios. A little whole cloth, pretty much. Yeah. You know, the, the other reason why I think this wouldn't be a case is isn't this what you get title insurance for? To make sure that you got the right and that the person that sold you the property had the right to sell that specific, that the title was conveyed appropriately? You would think so. But yeah, you would think so. But Texas may not have that yeah. kind of and requirement. Title insurance mostly protects the title company. It doesn't protect you very much at all. That's yeah. the thing. Well, it's Texas. Thing Our that. title insurance is Smith & Wesson. All right. So, uh, <laughs> well, so what's, what's going on, Cal? Both, both of us say no case. Well, I, that's too bad. Oh. You know, it's too bad when I when I sit here and I listen to you, you just I see the wheels turning in your brains. <laughs> I see all of these. It, it's fascinating to me. Uh, those of you who say it is not a case, that would be Todd and Denise, as they say no case, and I say congratulations to you. <laughs> However, Denise, one point for you because it is a true scenario. I changed the names. It is a true scenario. This actually happened just like this. The guy on TikTok out there talking about it. And the realtor is is beside himself of all of the foolishness that happened and said, I'm sorry, I'm going to do everything to make it right, which, by the way, has not yet happened. So the realtor's promise he's going to fix it. And I'm thinking, he said, well, my broker's got insurance. I've got insurance. We'll, we'll figure this out, which is a way in Idaho of saying uh, when someone does work for you, that's like the same thing as saying, how much do I owe you? Anyway, we'll be right back. We've got or five seconds. pay lawyers. Right. We'll, we'll be right back. Right. Hold on. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. 
Not all law firms have extensive experience in all areas of the law. It's wise to look for firms that have knowledge and understanding in your particular area of concern. So go to ProLawFirms.com. They have listings of attorneys in key areas of practice, such as family law, estate planning, personal injury, bankruptcy, and so forth. When you're looking for a lawyer that has extensive experience in your particular area of need, go to ProLawFirms.com. That's ProLawFirms.com. ProLawFirms.com is not a law firm and does not endorse or recommend any specific law firm. This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. My name is Frederick Penny of Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. I've assembled an excellent team of highly experienced personal injury trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. At Penny & Associates, we will aggressively represent you and your family when someone has been injured in an accident. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. For a free initial consultation, go to PennyLawyers.com or call 1-800-616-4LAW and ask for Frederick, Stewart, Rob, Kevin, Kent, or Will. That's Frederick Penny of Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. 2610. Are you serious? Oh, that's Now it's time for more Radio Law Talk. So to answer that kitty bump, are you serious? My response is me? Very rarely. Very rarely am I ever serious. But when I am, uh, my kids tell me I'm scary, but whatever. So um, let me... Denise, I'm going to – and Cal, you know, and to anybody listening. What, what, what? I'm going to set up a scenario. By the way, call or call back. Go uh, ahead. I'm, yeah. I'm going to set up a scenario here, and whoever calls, they call back, and you can call while I set up the scenario. Cal will be able to okay. listen. So um, I want you to imagine that uh, there's a, a – you're a victim of a crime. Let's say you had a loved one that, that is dead as a result of the action of somebody else, and the person that is responsible for your loved one being dead – is facing criminal prosecution. Now, we'll leave it open. I don't know if it's murder, manslaughter, or whatever, but we'll leave that open. But that person is facing prosecution. And as the victim's uh, family member, you're under the impression that that person is incarcerated and will remain incarcerated pending the trial or outcome of the case and assuming a guilty verdict or a plea that that person will also serve some jail time for any length of time. And under that belief, you, with your family or some family members, go to the supermarket, and lo and behold, you see the individual that you think is in custody walking down the aisle in the supermarket. Not only under that belief, but under that, if I may use this word, reassurance. Under the, yes, that reassurance that that person is in custody and you see them in the supermarket. Yikes. I, I cannot imagine what I would do. I, I mean, just... The trauma of losing a loved one in, under any circumstance is difficult, but especially uh, you, you can imagine what it would be like under circumstances where the life was taken prematurely due to the actions of somebody else. A willful act of another especially, yes. or even in an accident, but I think we're talking about a willful act here, yes. right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And, okay. and, and, you see, and, and then you see the, the perpetrator of that alleged crime because they haven't been convicted yet. Or you, you see them in the supermarket, and, and it's just the shock the I, I can't begin to imagine what the emotional toll would be, the psychological toll, and, and what have you. And what I'm telling you, 
Um, I mean, I, I've modified a few of the circumstances. I don't have them all correct. But what I'm telling you is essentially uh, an instance that happened in the state of California and as a result – quite some time ago. And as a result of that, ultimately in – I think it was 2008, uh, there was on the ballot in California a constitutional amendment to the – to amend the state of California's constitution to provide victims – certain constitutional rights when it comes to the prosecution of criminal cases for which they are a victim. And, and the definition of victim was expansive. It's not just the person that was physically hurt uh, in the case of an assault. It extends to the family members, the immediate family members, the parents and, uh, and children of the, per, of the person that was actually hurt. And, and they have certain rights as a result of this constitutional amendment. And, and among those are to have a voice, to have a voice in charges that should be filed, to have a voice when bail is being considered, to have a voice when it comes to sentencing, to have a voice when it comes to what the offer is. Now, listen, it's to have a voice. It doesn't mean that the... That it the, doesn't say it have an impact. It, it, well, it has an impact, but they don't have thumbs up or thumbs down veto ability. No approval. But, right. but they still have a voice. And... And they have a right to know of things. And a victim statement at the end of the trial. That's another critical thing. Yeah, that's the victim that's, impact statement. Right. To exactly. be able to say that, to either say it, uh, to say it in person or to have a representation, representative from the prosecution read the one that you have written to the court or to provide it to a probation officer who's doing a, a pre-sentence report that, that the court can read. So it's Essentially, their statement is considered by the court before final sentencing is pronounced. Right. Okay. And and victims have other rights as well. They have right to notice, right? They have. They, yes, they have right to. So not only do they have the right to make a statement and to be heard at purposes of bail and all that, they have a right to know that that hearing is coming up and that they won't be there. And um, and, and they also have a right to notice. If the person is going to be released pretrial, they have a right in the state of California to know if the person's prison term is coming to an end and that they, that person is going to be released, paroled into the, paroled into the public or, or just outright released. And so they have all of these rights. Don't now, they have a right also to know if there's going to be any deals that are being made? Or Yes, they, they have a right to know any uh, – that's what I mentioned. They have a right to know that what the prosecution is offering to resolve the case, what the proposed offer is – and again, they don't have thumbs up or thumbs down veto ability, but we'll talk about how that plays out in terms of criminal sentencing um, in, in just a little bit. But listen, so this law came down, it was passed by the voters in 2008. And I was working as a deputy district attorney in 2008 when this passed. And I can tell you that right after the law was passed, it was, it, the, the, I, want, I don't want to say struggle, but the courts in having to now accommodate or take into consideration the victim's rights, that was new. It was new for us to, uh, you know, to have the judge say, OK, I'm going to I'll set bail on an arraignment. You know, the guy's being charged with assault and the arraignment's coming up. The judge says, OK, I'll set bail at, uh, you know, whatever schedule is, $50,000, $100,000. And to have somebody stand up and say, excuse me, I represent the victim. They would like to be heard. And that just didn't happen before. 
And so and this this law was it um, now a federal law? It's a, it's it's a state. It was a state law in California. And now look, I realize that we're nationwide, but my point is. Other states have followed suit since then. I'm just talking about how how it affected the implementation of this. Mm -hmm. Because I I was there where judges would go, the victim wants to what? Yes, they want to be heard for purposes of bail. And some judges weren't weren't familiar with the change because it was very new. Well, why would I? Because the California Constitution says you have to. Requires it, sir. Yes. And so, you know, there were some where, okay, what are they going to say? And they'd hear what the victim says. They set bail or whatever they were going to set it at. And you compare that to uh, things progress. You compare that to what it was like. I've had cases as a defense attorney over the last uh, I don't know, last couple of years where the the DA and I have worked out a deal for my client. The victim comes in and makes an impact statement, and uh, the judge says, "Well, based upon what I hear, and I'm not going to authorize that deal. I'm not going to authorize it. So um, you can withdraw your guilty plea. We're back to square one." So, so you see how things have changed, right? And uh, the reason why I'm talking about this, we'll talk about you know th- a little bit more, is in North Carolina, there, it, which has a, a law similar to this, there was a, a DA, and it was a, a D. Normally, there's one DA per county, but this is a DA who actually oversaw the prosecution for three counties, smaller counties, just short, uh, just uh, south of Asheville, North Carolina, and he was recently removed by court order. As the DA for three counties, based upon a special provision in the law, and the reason primarily he was removed had to do with him not providing certain information to victims in a case. It was a it was a sexual assault case, and he didn't. Pro- it was a teenage rape victim. Yeah, and he did not yeah. provide information to the uh, to the victims victims' family about the nature of the resolution. And when the judge found out about it, the law provided for the judge to uh, make certain rulings and affect this individual's employment. Now, look, uh, Cal, you got a quick question. Well, why, why would a prosecutor not do that? I mean, what, what's in it for them to not do that other than I got too much paperwork? I don't have enough people. I want to get this case off my desk. I mean, I get all the let's make sure that the system works for the pe- uh, people work for the system rather than the system working for the people. I get all of that stuff. Sure. But why would a guy do this? Okay. So, and, we, and we've got about a minute and I'll probably pick up this answer in a little bit. Having been a prosecutor, right? So I can understand some of the difficulties that uh, trying to get the victims to sign off on or again, they don't have veto authority, but you still don't want to run into a situation where you've agreed to something and and the victim gets to make an impact statement to the court, and the victim comes in and says, I absolutely disagree with everything the DA just did. Right. Because you got a judge up there going, well, I don't know a lot about this case other than what the defense and the DA has told me, but if you're saying that this isn't right, I, I may need to look at this a little bit more. Which I, is their right to do. Exactly. And and so, but one of the one of the difficulties that prosecutors run into is, they have two things. They, first, they have to take into consideration the, the harm to the victim and everything that's gone on. But by the same token, they also have to look at the case from the standpoint of, given the evidence they have, can I prove this case to a group of 12 people? We'll talk about that when we come back because sometimes, uh, sometimes a prosecutor has to make a determination that I'm going to get the most that I can get. And if this case goes to trial and I get nothing then 
everybody who was a victim feels like they were cheated. So I'm going, you know, bird in hands, we're two in the bush. I'm going to take what I can get on this case. That's a difficult discussion to have and often hard to explain that to somebody who's been the victim of crime. We'll talk about more this more when we come back and what happened to this DA because of something he didn't do. The practicalities of the legal system, how it works, and how sometimes, for some people, it does not. Coming up next, right here on Radio Law Talk with Todd Kiernan and Denise Dirks. Don't go away. Our show will continue momentarily. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Not all law firms have extensive experience in all areas of the law. It's wise to look for firms that have knowledge and understanding in your particular area of concern. So go to prolawfirms.com. They have listings of attorneys in key areas of practice, such as family law, estate planning, personal injury, bankruptcy, and so forth. When you're looking for a lawyer that has extensive experience in your particular area of need, go to prolawfirms.com. That's prolawfirms.com. ProLawFirms.com is not a law firm and does not endorse or recommend any specific law firm. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to PennyLawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic, and maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call PetJoy right now. 800-711-9218. 800-711-9218. 800-711-9218. That's 800-711-9218. Hi, I'm Frederick Penny of Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. I bet you're tired of hearing lawyer commercials. So just relax and listen to music for a few seconds. family member has been injured, call 800-616-4LAW or see us at pennyandassociates.com. See, that wasn't so bad. 
Learn how thousands of smart homeowners are investing about a dollar to avoid expensive home repair bills. John, a former non-customer, said, My air conditioner broke and I had to spend $1,900 to fix it. Jeff, a customer, wrote, My air conditioner broke and I got a new one at no out-of-pocket cost. Mary, a former non-customer, wrote, My heating system stopped running. I had to spend $3,000 to get a new one. Lisa, a customer, wrote, My heater stopped working. I got it fixed at no out-of-pocket cost. For about $1 a day, you can have all the major appliances and systems in your home guaranteed fixed or replaced with HSC's home warranty coverage. Call now and the first month is free. If the lines are busy, please call back. Call now, 800-238-9182, 800-238-9182, Again, that's 800-238-9182. You're listening to Radiolawtalk.com. And now back to your host, Frederick Penny. So when we went into break, we were talking about reasons why uh, a district attorney has to meet with legal requirements in some states, but meeting with the victims of a crime to go over what the offers were and, and why it might be difficult. Cal had asked the question, well, why wouldn't they do that if they're trying to get stuff off of their desk? Well, sometimes those those conversations can be very difficult, especially when you're dealing with somebody that might not understand and gets upset with the nuances of the law. You know, as a district attorney, when I was a DA and, and as a defense attorney, I challenge this now to others. They have to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. So I have to put myself as a DA in the shoes of the juror. Is the juror going to believe this evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to convict? But when I'm talking to the victim of a crime, the victim who actually experienced this, well, the case has already been proven to the victim beyond a reasonable doubt because they experienced it, Right. And, and so trying to get that person who experienced the crime and knows absolutely with perfect knowledge, this is what happened. I was the victim of this assault of the, you know, whatever it was. And trying to get them to say, yeah, I understand that, but I don't know if 12 people are going to believe that that's actually what happened because maybe the, maybe the evidence is difficult. Maybe the cops screwed up. Maybe we don't have everything. And it's just your word against the other person's word. And the jury can go any which way they want. And the age of the victim is an extremely important factor in that, too. And how well would that, that teenage victim act as a uh, witness? Exactly. And so there's a lot that the, the district attorney has to think about and, and factor into the decision to make a plea deal. And I'm sitting there as the DA, and I know that if I put this 14-year-old, hypothetically, a 14-year-old victim on the stand to talk about what this guy did to her, and I know that his attorney, based on reputation, I know who that attorney is, is going to come in and peel that story like an onion and put them through the ringer, not just for an hour, sometimes for days on the witness stand. And I look at that sometimes as the DA, they have to make the tactical call. It's better for me to get the conviction I know that the guy will plead to than to push for something that is going to re-victimize and increase the likelihood or possibility of an acquittal. Here's the thing. That's a difficult decision to have to make. But at no point in time should the DA ever say, and because it's difficult, I'm not even going to talk to the victim about it. That's right. And because it's difficult, and and, and if you choose not, if you make the mistake to not talk to the victim as a DA, you certainly don't want to compound it by telling the court, yes, I did have a conversation with the victim, which you didn't, and they agree with this resolution, which they don't. And that's what happened in North Carolina. 
And in North Carolina, they had a particular statute that was an interesting statute because it's not just for attorneys to try to enforce or for DAs to enforce or for, you know, public officials to enforce, but it lets your average Joe go in and enforce different um, the violations of the duties of a district attorney in particular. In fact, what's this, what's this section called? It's 7A-66, and it's entitled Removal of District Attorneys. That's right. Wow. And it's a specific statute about what to do if you want your district attorney removed. And what do we got? Yes. Well, it's, uh, you can get them either suspended or removed. That's the two disciplinary actions that can be done. One, if they're mental or physical incapacity interfering with the performance of his duties, which is or is likely to become permanent. Two, which was involved in this case, willful misconduct in office. Three, willful and persistent failure to perform his duties. Um, four, habitual intemperance. Five, conviction of a crime involving moral turpitude. Six, conduct prejudicial to the administration of justice, which brings the office into disrepute. And seven, or seven, I should say, knowingly authorizing or permitting an assistant district attorney to commit any act constituting grounds for removal as defined in subsections one through six above. And these are all elected DAs? Yes. Uh, obviously. Okay. Well, elected, elected yeah. or somehow somehow they get into their office, but usually uh, by election. It could okay. be by assistant DAs, too, so it's not yeah. necessarily by election. They could be in a, um, a, a hired or appointed individual as well. Now, now here, here's the thing. So normally when you have an elected official, the, the means by getting that elected official out of office is by, by way of either when the election comes up, you just vote somebody else in. And if it's in between that, you know, California right now, they're doing the recall vote for Gavin Newsom. You can have some of that. Or you can – somebody can be impeached, right? You can go through the impeachment process. If it applies, the reason this law exists in North Carolina is for whatever reason, when they outlined in North Carolina elected officials that could be subject to impeachment, they left DAs out. So DAs were not subject to impeachment. And so this law comes in, and here's the deal. The person, the entity that ultimately makes the determination that the DA should be removed is a judge. Because they, whoever wants to challenge files the motion. I think we were reading they're entitled to a hearing within 10 days of filing the motion. And the judge hears it. And if the judge determines that one of those seven instances that Denise talked about applies, that the DA can be removed. And that's what happened in this case. The DA didn't have a meeting with the victim on this uh, rape case, didn't get the victim's permission, which not, might – Not permission, or, but or, at least uh, – Informed consent or informed at least the victim. I'll tell you why. Gave them awareness, I think, is a critical thing here. I'll tell you why I use the word permission because of what's coming up next. Didn't meet with them, didn't get their permission or assent to the plea deal. But then when asked about it Mm -hmm. by the judge on the record, told the judge, yes, I met with the victim and yes, they – because he was offering a misdemeanor on felony cases. And, And they said, yes, the victim agrees to this resolution. And that turned out not to be the case. It, I, I don't think that the misconduct was the not meeting with the victim that really did him in. I think it was the lying to the judge on the record that, yes, I did these things, and yes, they're okay with it. Why would he do that? Sometimes people do things because they think it'll never come to light. I don't know. I don't. I can't get into his head, but I know that this is what happened, and this guy was removed from office. 
And he this was his second time he'd been elected to that office. So this is not a light thing. It's not like just it happened, you know, for the first time. The last time this law had been utilized against a, a district attorney was 10 years before. So it's not an often utilized thing. And people are speculating that the that the legislature is going to change this statute um, because they think it's too easy for a non-lawyer to come in and try to put pressure on a district attorney. But I don't know. I think it kind of works here. And I think it was um, – it's very well written. It's not – there's no ambiguity at I could, all. I could see the legislature saying, um, if I try to reword and change this statute from the way it is right now, given how it's worked in the two cases and the people that were removed – I might as well just go find a different line of work because I see my constituents not reelecting me to the legislature because uh, because this is to take out people that aren't doing their jobs right. It's right. to remind people in the district attorney's office for whom they work and for whom the system ought to be working. And if it's not, take these steps. Absolutely. That's what it seems like to me anyway. Now, this d- district attorney had bar charges brought against him as well he and he had a state suspension so he was not completely removed as an att- as an attorney but i have to say that there is an appealable issue here what's that in this case um th- what was brought up it was in his second term for something that had happened in his first term as the district attorney and the judge that decided this he said that it didn't matter whether or not it was in his first term or his second term, that it was still was the misconduct, willful misconduct that occurred during his terms and that that was enough. So I'm pretty sure he'll probably appeal that decision. And his argument there was, yeah, I did this during the first term. If the people didn't want me here, they could have voted me out. Right. So now you want me out in my second term and the people didn't want me out. So this should have come up then. But I think what the judge also said there was. If I agreed with that, that would be an incentive for people just to hide their conduct. And quite frankly, maybe people didn't vote you out because they didn't know about it. But I, no. I can also see a judge gritting his teeth and saying, son, don't lie to me. Exactly. Because it, 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 it's, like, it, it's not like as soon as I get reelected, then that somehow atones for everything that I had done in my previous uh, term when I was here. It just doesn't work that way. But I do agree. I do agree that that's an appealable issue. I don't think that they'll prevail on it. And I think that by having the appeal, if they don't prevail, it will provide even more clarity on how powerful this statute is in the state of North Carolina. So that's victims, uh, the purview of victimhood in criminal law. We're at the end of two hours. Wow, we are, we're cooking with gas, aren't we? We Just are. Just flying by. Yeah. Make sure you stay with us. For hour number three, and remember, you can hear us live on www.radiolawtalk.com if your radio station is not currently providing the third hour. Switch over there. We'll catch you on the flip side. We'll be back. Stay tuned. This is Radio Law Talk, as Denise said, at radiolawtalk.com and live and by delay on many radio stations throughout the USA. We'll be right back. Hold on. You have been listening to Radiolawtalk.com, a copyrighted presentation of Radio Law Talk Incorporated.
Constitution is amazing. It's full of what's called negative rights, designed to protect us from the corrupt powers of a dictatorship. Like our right to worship our own God, not some official state religion. Our right to prevent the government from seizing our property without paying fair market value for it. Or our right to be tried by a jury of our peers, people like us, not by some star tribunal. And that's why America has become the richest, most just society in the world. Other countries force so-called positive rights onto their citizens. These enable one group to take from another group their free speech, money, and choice by using government force. Socialists love wielding this power over people. Sometimes we take our freedoms for granted, but we can lose our Bill of Rights and our Constitution and become like Venezuela or North Korea. Failed, brutal socialist regimes. We need your help to spread the good news about our amazing U.S. Constitution. Help us take back America. Go to OurAmericanRights.com. Brought to you by the American Media Council.